Welcome, everybody, to Gums and Gossip Podcast. My name is Hope. I'm your gum goddess podcaster, and I have a special edition. I wanted to make sure I honored veterans and Veterans Day. I've done a couple in the past already, and I really wanted to honor somebody that I value. I have Jason Howe. And he is with me. He dedicates his life to helping others, battling trauma, mental illness, addiction. Provide he's gonna provide a firsthand story to of adapting to overcome battles. He is a director for canines on the front line. He is a combat veteran of the US Navy. And after being diagnosed with PTSD and facing struggles with reintegration, he turned to drugs to cope. And he's got some stories that he's going to share. He is now a best-selling author, recently launched his first book titled Unleashed the Powerfully, Powerfully Simple Path to Adapt and Overcome Trauma, Addiction, and the Silent Battle with Mental Illness. His story, I can't wait to share and to chit-chat with you. And he also serves through his nonprofit, speaking, consulting, so much to talk about. Thank you, Jason, for being on the show. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. And I love what you're doing for the veterans and the veteran community. So appreciate it. Well, I really thank you for your service. And I, as everybody, I feel like it's such an important, you know, it's very dear to my heart. I have lots of military family. I was not in the military, but I feel like I have friends, I have family. I feel like everybody can relate to the different traumas. And I feel like you have this great passion. I kind of want to start with your story, um, you know, and then I can kind of go into like my insights of things that um, can contribute, you know, to all that. So first thing I want to talk about is, can you share a bit about your personal journey um, from your time in the Navy to the challenges you faced upon returning and and how kind of you came about and how you overcame them? Yeah, absolutely. So I was in the Navy for about five years as a military police officer. And what I got out, well, while I was in, you know, I was on the Theodore Roosevelt uh, aircraft carrier for about nine months. Uh, They shipped me down to Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. So I was working with the inmates and the prisoners uh, down there. Right before I got to leave Cuba, they decided they were going to send me to Afghanistan. And so I went over to Kandahar and did 10 months there. Uh, Upon return, I went back to Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. And then I finished up at Bethesda, Maryland, where all the injured soldiers are. So it was kind of like my whole time was dealing with injured people. Um. And when I got out, you know, I'm originally from Maine. My ex-wife now at the time, my my wife at the time, she was from Missouri. So I went back to this little town that I think there's more cows and pigs than there is people. (laughs) But uh, didn't know a soul. And we went through a quick divorce. And I began struggling. I didn't go out of my house. I just thought people around this area looked at me differently because... I'm not from here. And if you're an outsider in a small community, they look at you like, what are you doing here? And get out of our town. Um, And that's the persona that I had. That you Um, felt, you felt this way, like when you came back, that you weren't really welcome, that you were just some outsider, right? Absolutely. Especially not knowing anybody. Um, So I started trying to work and do different things. And I started going to college thinking this was going to help me. And I ran into some people that partied a lot. 
and they introduced me to a drug called meth. And I had never seen it, didn't know what it was. You know, I'd experienced with cocaine before and, you know, marijuana. Um, so I was like, well, what is this? What does this do? And being in the military, that adrenaline rush that we always had, that's what I always strived for. You know, I played sports when I was in high school and all the way up through three different sports. And when I got that adrenaline rush and I got that rush from the meth, it was a different feeling for me. It was exactly what I needed. I didn't feel about anything that was going on in my life. I didn't care. Um, and it was to the point where, you know, I could put it down. But they were doing something that I wasn't. I was smoking it, and they were sticking a needle in their arms. And one night, I said, what are you guys getting that I'm not? And they said, Jason, you don't want to do this. I said, yes, I do. Something's not right with me still. I need something different feeling. So they stuck me, <clears throat> stuck me with a needle. Um, obviously, I asked for it. Yeah. Um, it was the most intense rush I'd ever felt in my life. And at that point in time, I knew I was done. Um, I ended up losing my jobs. I lost my house, my car. Uh, I lost my kids. Um, I had, you know, I went through eight stints of rehab after all this. Um, and what helped me is I went to uh, Fort Leavenworth. Um, it's called the domiciliary. It's a rehab place. You stay there for six months. I ended up getting kicked out because I relapsed. But the night I got kicked out, you know, I still had my car at that point. I hadn't quite been repoed. And I was hiding from the repo guys. <laughs> you know, those shows you see on TV with the repo guys. Yeah, that was me. Um, <laughs> yeah. But um, I went to make, I went to the VA that night and they put me up at a homeless shelter. And when I get out of the homeless shelter, you have to leave during the day. So I went out and I went to McDonald's. I think I had about $10 to my name. And the gentleman that had checked me into the homeless shelter, he happened to be there with another individual. He's like, do you mind sitting down and eating breakfast with us? I said, sure. Um, so we started praying and talking you know, a lot about God and everything like that. And he handed me a hundred dollar bill. Oh, he said, wow. God, God told me that I needed to help someone today. And something tells me it's you. And I said, you're giving an addict, drug addict, a hundred dollar bill. He goes, you know, whatever you do with this, that's on you. But I'm doing what's supposed to be done for me. Yeah. So when he did that, I think it was an eye opener of, don't screw this up. I drove home, told my ex-wife, I said, I'm getting on the bus. Um, my car at that point in time, they caught me. <laughs> um, so I had a trash bag full of clothes. I got on a one-way bus ticket from Missouri to Maine. Um, my parents thought it was the worst decision of my life to come home and, and bring all my problems, which I understand. You know, they didn't know how, how bad I was or what was really going on. Um, so I, have, I ran into an old high school friend. He actually had a service dog. And I said, did this help you? He said, it sure did. It saved my life. Aww, yeah. So he introduced me to an organization called Canines on the Frontline. Um, and they gave me a, a, a brindle boxer pit mix. And she was two days away from being euthanized in a kill shelter. Wow. So... When I went and met her, it, she just started running around doing zoomies and she jumped up on my lap as to say, I've got you. You're going to change your life. You don't even know it yet. And 
we finished the top of our class in about 14 to 16 weeks. And I said, I'm moving back to Missouri, but I want to start this program in Missouri. Um, we started it in 2018 and we've been running ever since. Uh, we've been awarded the Missouri's best nonprofit last four years in a row. In 2021, Sobe actually won Service Dog of the Year for American Humane Hero Dog Awards. So she's been on the Hallmark Channel and people Aww. like you guys are famous. I'm like, I'm not famous. She's famous. So She is. She is definitely famous. You know, I'm one of these. I feel like you meet people for reasons. And it's interesting to hear pets are just, and not just any pets, but, you know, mm. They have this um, compassion and empathy, and it's just a natural, like we all strive to be like our pets almost, you know, to, no, in my do. mind, because I, you know, and, and people do disappoint a lot of times, you know, but your pet mm -hmm. is always there, seems like, um, you know, they're always there and all that. And to have something that you, that cares back for you, and like you said, that that has got you mm -hmm. um, knowing where you've come from. It's interesting too, because you were, when you were saying about you being in the, the rehab and going through all that stuff, how would you have access to all the, you know, when you relapsed and all that, how would you have access to all that? Did somebody provide it for you in the place? Um, so you're allowed to go out in the evening time. Um, for seven days, you're, you can't go anywhere. So, People are going to find stuff no matter what. Mm -hmm. um, so after the seven days, you are allowed to go out in town. So when you see people coming back and they're either drunk or they're high, and here you are trying to stay clean, the first thing you think of when you get out, I'm going to go find something. Mm -hmm. And as an addict and being in, you know, being in a state in Kansas I've never been to before, I still found it. Because if, if there's a way, if there's a will, there's a way. And yeah. it just, it was to that point, I wasn't ready to change. Um, it's just one of those things. I wasn't vulnerable. I didn't learn to adapt until I got on that bus, you know, heard that story with a gentleman praying to me, um, and giving me that hundred dollar bill. And it was just, it was some of those things that, you know, the shine and the light down on me saying, Hey, wake up. We've got you. I, you know, I've got you. God has got me, but you've got to put in the work and I will right. take care of you. You know, it's also interesting. My thought process too. I there was some documentaries on like the Golden Gate Bridge, you know, and how people when they jump off the bridge and they have these after, you know, and there's some survivors that have told stories and things like that. But the number one thing that they say is the human connection that if somebody were to have looked at them or said something to them or done something, you know, just to give them a look and say, hey, are you okay? Is everything okay? How can I help you? If we could get more, I'm, I like to give hope, you know, to the mm -hmm. dental world. And, and I think hope is such an important word because just to have somebody even, um, you know, like I said, things that you have been through, um, it's, it's so nice to know that there's people out there. Cause sometimes I have my own doubts that there's people out there that really care. And, um, and so that's such an important piece to that. If somebody's out there, listeners out there and somebody's having a hard time or something, you notice something, do something, right? Don't just stand yeah. there and wish you could have, right? Absolutely. You never know what somebody's, what somebody's dealing with behind the four walls of their home. Yeah. And why 
why bring people down when you can lift people up? Because you never know, no matter what you say to them, it could be, you know, their mother just died or their father just mm -hmm. died or they're going through a divorce and they just found out about it, uh, that their spouse was cheating or whatever the case might be. A simple hello, hey, hope you're having a great day can change somebody's life and change somebody's mood right there on the spot. So I, I just, people that are mean and say bad things and try to hurtful, you never mm -hmm. know what someone's, someone's going through so why not make them smile why absolutely yeah and then in the dental chair it's the same way um i everybody is my friend my family and so i've been a hygienist almost 30 years and and i look at everybody and there is no judgment there's no ill will it's it's how can i help you what can i do to make your day better and there have been times where i haven't even done any treatment we just sit and i've I've chit chatted with people and they broke down and cried in my chair and we've just rescheduled, you know, but they needed somebody at that one moment, that one time. And yeah. I was the one to make them smile. So I think it's something that you have to pay it forward and, and make sure that you're doing being the best person you can. And, and it's so cool to see that you're, um, making such a huge impact and inspiration doing what you're doing as well. I appreciate that. Um, you know, praise, I don't do well with praise. So when people do say that, you know, I'm, I'm thankful. Yeah. But I always tell people it's the service dogs doing it for the veterans. Uh, it's not me. I'm given the program that was given to me. Um, I'm just giving back, like you said, paying forward. Yeah. You know, when I went to the program, the director of the organization, the president, Dr. Hagenblasic, the first thing he said to me was, you have an army support behind you, brother. Got you. And that's what I needed. You know, mm -hmm. after you know leaving Missouri, come back to Maine, didn't have anybody. You know, everybody, my family didn't, you know, didn't like me because of what I was going through. And to hear somebody say, "We got you, don't worry about it," mm -hmm. and then to give me a dog and believe in me, it gave me that motivation to say, "You have no clue who I am, but here you are believing in that I can change." So I changed and. Um, here shortly and here soon in the next couple months, I'm actually taking over the entire organization. Oh, wow. um, they, they're stepping down. They're, you know, ready for their change in their life because they're getting older. And here in Missouri, we are just rocking and rolling. So they're handing the entire organization over to me and my wife. So, Wow. So with the canines in the program, um, they have, they provide different benefits. So these are these trained, these are trained, explain about the canines and, and the training and how they go about where people can actually get, you know, dogs, right? Yes, absolutely. So primarily we rescue the dogs. So it's pretty much saving two lives at the same time. Um, the veteran would apply. Uh, we put them through a 22 week program. And we teach the veteran and the dog together. So everything we do, we're walking them, you know, teaching them how to care for their dog, um, clipping their nails, sit down, all that basic obedience. And then we start taking them out into town. Um, some of the veterans we deal with, they're, you know, with PTSD or TBI, traumatic brain injury. Mm -hmm. So the dogs, depending on the veteran, you know, they can wake them up for night terrors. They can watch them back out in public. If they're having a panic attack, the dogs are right there. So if I'm having a panic attack, I usually touch my hat a lot. And so be my service dog. She comes running and brings me back to that now. So she brings me right back to the present, like, hey, don't worry about you. I got you. And mm -hmm. it, it typically normally shuts me down and just brings me back to where I'm at. So 
um, they get to the unconscious level or the unconscious state um, without you even knowing it. So before you even start, like I'll usually twitch my fingers or or shake a little bit with my hands before I start going to my hat. That's when she's already on me. So. Wow. So the the nonverbal cues, it's really important, like for the animals to be able to, you know, know what's going on with you. Um, do they get special foods and things? Do you have to give them special treats? <laughs> no. So when we are training, we always tell the veterans and everything that when you're training, you're training with their food because it's almost like they're working for the paycheck. Like we go to work, we get paid, you know, from our employer. Mm-hmm. Dogs have they can't get paid. So their paycheck is their food. So if they're working for their food and they know that food is going to come in time, they're going to do anything and everything you ask for them. So they're always going to be focused on you. So if, if you know, whatever's going on, if you're on public and you're stressed or you're struggling. Nope. I lost you. I think I lost you with the car. <laughs> Your life. <laughs> right, right. So here we are. We're back. And we were talking about the with the canines and how everything, you know, works. And I lost you for a bit. So um, we'll kind of recircle back around and about maybe we'll just start talking about mental illness, you know, with the the animals. And we we're talking about how it helps and how they got you and how other people are utilizing with the canine. So maybe start talking a little bit about kind of the, the program and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, a lot of it, when the veterans go through the program here in Missouri, me sharing my story and telling them where I was at to where I am now, I think a lot of it is they know that I understand them. So when you have a military member that's been overseas, you know, been boots on the ground, walk the steps with them, it's a lot easier for them to understand or for them to realize that we, I understand what they're going through. It's just like therapy too. If you go to therapist, go to your therapist and the therapist is like, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh, you were over there? Well, no. Well, then you don't understand. You know, I have a therapist now that I absolutely love her. And she's never once said that to me. She said, Jason, you know, I I don't know what you've been through, but here's what I know I can do to try to help you. Like that right there, when she left the VA to go on her own private practice, I went with her. Just, you know, a lot of veterans feel that way. So when it comes to me sharing my story and telling them where I was, what what we're doing now, you can just see the sense. It's like a therapy group. It's, It's a peer support group. And when you start showing your dog and showing them what your dog can do, they're like, I want my dog to be like that. I'm like, well, yeah. you can. The more effort you put in, the more effort your dog is going to give you. And the results are going to speak for themselves. So like, I could leave my dog on a dock, like if we're out on a boat, and just left her on the dock for two hours and she's not going to move. Because I've, I've told her not to. And so just sit right there and I'll be back. She's not going to move until I come back. Um, so you know, teaching that stuff with the veterans is, is amazing because for one, they know I've been on boots on the ground and I know what their struggles are. So seeing, seeing the results when they put the work in is absolutely incredible. 
Yeah. So as far as like the, the dog's teeth, I'm going to kind of give you a with dental stuff and all that. Right. So mm-hmm. are, do they have routine dog visits? Yes. So they have to have all their health checkups and everything. My service dog, unfortunately, she's got horrible teeth and horrible breath. <laughs> <laughs> that has taken so many teeth because it just with the boxers, they have that, you know, known that their teeth are going to rot. They're, it's going to be horrible for them. So <laughs> when her teeth really quick, it's she loves to lick and I can't stand it. <laughs> it's not puppy breath. It's not <laughs> like the. <laughs> non-stop she's like an excessive liquor and i'm like no, <laughs> stop <laughs> um that's funny when when you were on okay when you were on meth and and all the other things did you notice a difference like now looking back and everything else are you more conscious of your health or you know wellness and all that as well yes very much so um i never had the rotten teeth and all that i mean i've had you know fillings and stuff like that but fortunately i didn't have the rotten teeth like the meth addicts um you know i've always had a gap between my teeth uh, yeah my mouth um you know growing up it was oh look we could drive a truck through there and (laughs) all those funny things that people would say to you and it's always made me self-conscious and i had braces but I just, when they gave me the retainers, I was like, oh, it's good. My teeth are perfect. I don't have to worry about it no more. So I stopped wearing the retainers and boom, the gap, gap, drive through the truck or drive, drive the truck through my teeth came back. So um, here in a couple of weeks, I'm actually putting braces on again. And my wife was like, are you sure you're going to do this? I said, yes. You oh, know, good for you. Hey, going out and speaking and stuff. I just, yeah want that self-confidence of being able to smile and talk and not have that internal feeling of, are they making fun of my teeth? Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, you know, 99% of the time they're not, but it's still in my head from, you know, growing up and that, you know, people can drive a truck through it and how wide it mm-hmm. is, the gap. And I'm like, I just, I want for self-reassurance to feel better about myself and I just think I'm ready for it and I'll wear the retainer as long as they tell me to wear it. Do you, so I speak a little bit about military fears in the dental world because I do have a lot of veteran patients and I have a lot of people who have been through so many things. Um, I've had service animals in, in the operatory as well, you know, as guidance, you know, and it's so, it's just, so respectful you know of, of, I totally understand that part of it you know having something um, there but one of the things there's several different things that I realize with my military patients is that they have like combat related traumas they have you know the negative negativity of you know coming to the dentist they might have had like traumas from past experiences sometimes there's you know, while they're in combat or whatever, wisdom teeth, I've had people have that, their fear of judgment. There's also um, limited access sometimes to dental care. And so I have, it's funny until I get to know people, I say I'm a hygienist and people, um, a lot of, especially military people, they run from me. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, I'm not that scary, but they're like, well, you know, 
you mentioned the word dentist and people just back away. Yeah. It's not good for my single life either, you know, so. <laughs> Maybe I need a maybe I need a service dog. I have a dog, but she's very shy. So maybe it's just, you know, I need something else to, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Um, so let's get to your book. Um, as far as what inspired you to write this book, kind of go into detail with that. Yeah. So if you asked an English teacher when I was in school if I would ever write a book, they would have just laughed at you and turned their back and walked away. Yeah. But, you know, through all my life struggles and everything I've been through, my wife is like, you need to write this book. I said, I don't want to write anything. I'm not a good writer. I don't want to do this. So she helped me. Um, you know, she helped me put it into better words and stuff like that. So she's actually the writer. Um but I wrote it, but she put it in to make it sound a lot better than it than I would have ever imagined. Yeah. But what I did was for the people that are struggling and then, you know, their family members or anybody that, you know, if they have friends and loved ones that are struggling, they can read this and it is extremely raw and real. Um, I go into a lot of detail about my struggles and what I was doing. Um, and the reason I did that is I want those people to understand that I, I understand fully. Here's what I needed when I was going through my struggles. So if you have a loved one or a family member or somebody that you know that's struggling, you're able to help them. Um, or for the chance that there's an addict that is trying to get better and wants to read a book. Um, I know when I was going through my struggles, I never would have read a book. Yeah. Um, but some might. So if they're reading this, maybe something will catch with them and they'll be like, you know what? I can relate to that. And if this guy could do it, why can't I? I, I think that's a very big moment to share with everybody that there are better things to come. Sometimes it's a, I call them temporary moments. Um, mm -hmm. Coming out from my knowledge of coming out and PTSD, I don't have the direct experience. I can tell you how I've helped others and done different things, you know, and I can have that um, relatability of just for as far as empathy goes. Um, but I feel like it was because there was such camaraderie and you did have people having your back. You know, people always say they go back to their military days. We go back to our college days, you know, or something like that. But but like the military days, you had your camaraderie and then you're put out into some other environment, like you were saying, and then you feel lost. And is this, that's part of your inspiration, right? Absolutely. Um, you know, when, when you... Did I lose you? Um, anyways, yeah. So we are back. Um, yes. Yeah, so I think it was the camaraderie, right, you said, you know, that that made people feel like, and maybe that's part of the whole with the, the dog as well, because you do have somebody, it's like, what is it, no man left behind or something like that? I don't know what the I saying is. Say, I always say no veteran left behind, and, you know, it, it's a battle buddy. You know, when mm -hmm. we're out in town and we're out in the field, we always have a battle buddy with us, and... They're watching our back just like we're watching theirs. So having that service dog that's watching our back, we're going to watch theirs too. Right. 
Do any of the dogs, do they, are they allowed to play together or is their focus, they're trained just for you, right? They are, but with our organization, we have other pets here in the house. I don't know if you've heard one little, little yapper. We have a little beagle. <laughs> um, but we have four dogs total and I let them play with, let them play with each other just because at the end of the day, they are dogs. As long as she's doing exactly, I mean, if I was, you know, blind or deaf or something like that, yes, I wouldn't be able to let them play with anybody. That's what yeah. their job is. But for a psychiatric dog, a PTSD dog, um, at the end of the day, they're dogs and they have to be treated like dogs too. And they have to have their just like we do. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go to, um, we'll start winding things down, but as far as, uh, success stories. Do you have people that um, I know you've had a lot of impactful moments and you've witnessed with individuals and with your nonprofit? How many, how, is there like a total number of dogs that you have now or is it evolving or how does all that work? Uh, so we've ended up since 2018, we've put a little over 250 dogs to the program uh, with the veterans. Um, it, we've had a lot of success stories and, you know, we have, it's, we let the veterans know it's what they put into it. So if they're willing to work and they're willing to, you know, be there for their, their battle buddy, their, their service dog, the service dog's going to be there for them. But at the end of the day, I always tell them, Look, I went to the program. I changed my life. I worked with my dog and she gave me the work back that I needed to be able to be where I'm at now. So if you don't put that work in, it's not going to work for you. So we've had probably like a 92% rate of success, success um, which is very good. Mm. And I think a lot of it is they come into the program, they understand the rules and the regulations. Like if you don't show up, this, this program isn't for you. Like we're not putting in all our time and going out fundraising and getting money from donors to to be able to put you through the program so the veterans pay nothing and have you just kind of, excuse my language, half-ass it, mm -hmm. uh, that's not going to work in this program. So if you don't, then don't come into the program. Here's your stipulations. Here's the rules. If you're good with it, come on in. We want you. Do dogs uh, get taken away? Do they get, I mean, there's like a, a way to like look at what's going on. Somebody's accountable. They get taken away if something doesn't happen. Unfortunately, we've had a couple we've had to take away. Um, if the veteran just isn't coming to the program with the treating the dog well, by all means, keep your dog. I don't want to take that bond from them. Mm -hmm. But if they're not treating the dog as far as our standards, we'll take the dog from them. Um, or maybe the veteran isn't quite ready for the program because maybe they have an alcohol problem or or whatever the case might be, and they can't stop that, mm -hmm. and they have else to care for the dog to help them, then we'll take the dog back. Um, fortunately, the two people that we've had to do that to, we've ended up giving the dog back to them. Um, they kind of changed their life around a little bit and fixed themselves and well enough that they go through the program and they've, they've done very well. Um, success stories, we have one that actually he's helping me train now. He was an alcoholic for years, um, his, his daughter is one of our videographers and photographers, and she said that he wasn't allowed to the wedding. 
her wedding. Um, he didn't, didn't going to make it. Um, that's how bad he was into alcoholism. And he had stopped drinking probably six months prior to getting his service dog. And when he went to the program, he wouldn't say a word. He wouldn't talk to anybody. Towards the end, he started opening up. Um, now he goes around to, you know, high schools and elementary schools talking about the program, talking about his dog, what the dog's done to him. Advocate, And, you know, I'm so proud of where he was to where he is now. He's got a great relationship with his family. And it's just all and people say, well, you helped him. I didn't help him. That dog saved him. We just gave him the tools to be able to to do what he needed to do to, to help himself. Well, what can people do to donate and help you? Is there somehow kind of let everyone know where to find you? We've talked about the book. They can buy the book on Amazon. Explain how to find you and where to where to be able to help. So we're in the process of changing everything over on our website, but it's the letter K, number nine, S is in Sam, on the frontline.org. They can donate right there. Um, they can reach out to me at Jason at caninesonthefrontline.org. Um, I'm always on my phone pretty much. <laughs> it's what I <laughs> pretty much have to live by, but yeah. um, I love what I'm doing. Um, you know, I have veterans call me all the time wanting help. And the biggest thing we need is funding to be able to help others. So mm. the very important. Absolutely. So your book is titled Unleashed, The Powerfully Simple Path to Adapt and Overcome Trauma, Addiction, and the Silent Battle with Mental Illness. And yes. you can purchase that on Amazon, correct? Yes, you can. Or you can go right to the website, too. It's unleash-mentalillness.com. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you for your service. I think you're doing such wonderful things. I want to keep in touch with you. And um, I think the listeners really will be appreciate this as well because there's so much information. And, you know, as far as pets go, they're just, it's amazing the, how the experience is that you can create this bond with this loving, giving animal and it helps you. I always say, my patients probably have helped me more than anything too. They weren't pets or anything, but it was, you know, you have those relationships that, that help you out throughout life. And the older you get, you realize how important things are and how you want that support group to be able to. So if there's anyone suffering, if there's any, um, with PTSD, if there's things they can always go on the website, they can apply and there's there's other alternatives to drugs and and everything i think it's amazing everything you're doing thank you and if they you know if there's somebody out there struggling and just wants to be heard go to our facebook page it's canines on the front line missouri there's two facebook pages make sure it says missouri and my phone number is right on there reach out call me my phone's always on and i'm always willing to pick it up and talk to another veteran Anybody that I can help, that's what I'm here for. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on the show. Appreciate it. All right. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye.